0: Did Xi Jinping's gamble pay off? Some Chinese officials are saying the COVID-19 peak is coming down. But is that true? China just saw a massive spike in virus cases across the nation. And investigative reporting by our sister media found some regions have seen around six times the amount of cases than last month. What's driving the discrepancies? And what do they mean for the rest of the world? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. How hard is COVID-19 hitting China right now? Chinese officials seem to be downplaying its impact. Here's a look at what's going on with infection cases and deaths in one Chinese city. Elderly people are
1: dying every day. A community secretary told me before the new year that many elderly people had passed away and eight or nine people each day are canceling household registrations with his office.
0: Yet reports like these make up a small part of a much larger picture. According to an internal document obtained by the Epoch Times, the death toll in Nanjing has increased by six to seven-fold since mid-December. The document counted the number of cremations performed in the city from December to January. It recorded a daily peak of nearly 800 bodies cremated on January 2nd. Almost 500 deceased over the age of 80 were burned on January 4th, nearly six-fold in comparison to last year. The document listed a total of over 8,000 deaths in Nanjing within 16 days, nearly four times more than usual.
1: I'm afraid of going outside now. Many older people used to enjoy basking in the sun at the gate. All of them died.
0: COVID-19 is rarely mentioned as the official cause of death in internal documents from Nanjing. Beijing has placed strict controls on how COVID-19 deaths can be attributed. Another internal document outlined how personnel are tasked with guarding cremation, the disposal of remains and funeral data. It also prohibits all funeral services in the city from leaking cremation information. The Chinese regime has repeatedly insisted that it doesn't steal U.S. trade or military secrets. But in recent years, Washington has convicted dozens of Chinese spies. Ji Chaochun gets eight years in prison for spying in the U.S. He came to America on a student visa in 2013. In 2018, he was accused of identifying American scientists and engineers that could be recruited by a Chinese intelligence unit. His case was reportedly linked to Chinese efforts to steal U.S. aviation trade secrets, including military suppliers. Is the U.S. defense industrial base ready for a conflict over Taiwan? A think tank report says no. Here's how the Pentagon is responding.
2: The Pentagon is addressing a report that said America's defense industry is unprepared for a conflict over Taiwan. The report said Washington's aid to Ukraine is eating into its defense stockpile, and that the U.S. could run out of certain key munitions in less than a week if war broke out with China over Taiwan. Here's the DOD's comment.
1: I'm confident that, regardless of what the situation is uh, worldwide, as we've done uh, for a very long time, the United States military will be able to... Uh, be prepared to support whatever requirements we're asked to, to support.
2: Many have been comparing Taiwan to Ukraine, since both are under the shadow of powerful neighbors, though Taiwan officials hold a different view.
1: We're very important in terms of the world's supply chain. Also the geopolitical tensions and the geographic locations are different as well.
2: The U.S. and other countries source most of their advanced microchips from Taiwan. These tiny chips run our modern life, from iPhones to cars and fighter jets. They wouldn't function without microchips. Taiwan also sits on a chain of islands stretching from Japan to Malaysia. This island chain is critical for America's safety, as it prevents Beijing from launching submarine-based nuclear attacks against the U.S. Also, Washington is bound by law to provide Taiwan with the means to defend itself. Back to the report. It comes from CSIS, a think tank based in Washington, D.C. It said Russia's war on Ukraine has highlighted a weakness in the U.S. weapons industry. Washington has committed over $24 billion of security assistance to Ukraine, but that aid is eating into U.S. weapon inventories, and defense companies are losing their capacity to play catch-up. The Biden administration has approved major arms sales to Taiwan, but weapon deliveries are facing a massive delay. Meanwhile, Russia's war on Ukraine is consuming certain weapons in America's stockpiles quick. Here's an example. The U.S. has sent over one million rounds of a certain ammunition to Ukraine, to the point of reducing the U.S. military's own supplies. Another example is a type of missile called a javelin. The amount of javelin missiles the U.S. sent to Ukraine in the past five months equals about what the industry can produce in seven years. Rick Fisher is a military expert. He notes the U.S. is planning to increase defense production capacity. Weapons
3: going to take two, maybe three years in many cases.
2: Fisher said taking Taiwan wouldn't spell the end of Beijing's ambitions either.
3: The Chinese Communist Party wants global hegemony. It wants to kill the democracy on Taiwan so that it can prove to its own people that it has the moral authority to kill all other democracies, including that of the United States. If Taiwan falls... Americans are going to be facing decades of warfare. We will have to reinstitute the draft.
2: And there's another catch. With Ukraine, the U.S. has been able to send weapons to arm the country, but some are concerned that Taiwan may not be as lucky, since Beijing could blockade the island in a conflict. The Chinese regime already simulated that situation last August in a drill, soon after former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. The think tank's report urges Congress to hold hearings and take action on the matter. Taiwan is getting a new intelligence chief. The
0: island's President Tsai Ing-wen appointed a British-educated senior diplomat Thursday. It's part of a broader government reshuffle, as the island faces growing military threats from China. Deputy Foreign Minister Tsai Ming-yan previously served as Taiwan's de facto ambassador to the European Union. He has a doctorate from King's College in London's Department of War Studies, and previously worked as an advisor to Taiwan's Defense Ministry plus the China Policy-Making Mainland Affairs Council. The diplomat and the president share a common family name, but are not related. Turning to the Indo-Pacific sky, Japan sent this year's first intelligence-gathering satellite into orbit on Thursday. Its mission is to spy on military movements in North Korea and keep an eye on natural disasters at home. The IGS Radar 7 is part of Japan's efforts to boost its military. Last December, Tokyo updated its defense strategy, shifting away from the self-defense-only posture that it has maintained since after World War II. Despite having the world's third-largest economy, Japan has long spent only one percent of its GDP on the military. New policies will allow the country to double that figure over the next five years. Tokyo has cited mounting aggression from neighbors China and North Korea calling Beijing its biggest strategic challenge. How is China's handling of COVID-19 affecting Hong Kong? One figure may shed some light. About 15,000 Americans have left Hong Kong in the past two years. The number comes from Gregory May, the U.S. consul General in Hong Kong, and makes up more than 20% of all Americans living in Hong Kong. May cited stringent anti-COVID-19 measures and diminishing freedoms as reasons for leaving. He further raised concerns about Hong Kong's faltering judicial independence. Last month, Beijing made a decision to bar foreign lawyers from state security trials, unless they get approval from authorities. The move, mainly targeting activists arrested during the city's pro-democracy movement in 2020, Beijing imposed a national security law on Hong Kong in 2021. It allows authorities to punish anything they deem to be subversion, secession, collusion with foreign powers, or terrorism. And penalties can include life imprisonment. Before the rule took effect, the legislation sparked large-scale protests among Hong Kong citizens. Turning to a city in southwestern China's Zhejiang province, a church was forcibly destroyed earlier this month. It's the latest in a string of religious clampdowns in the area by the Chinese communist regime.
2: Here's the latest. A U.S.-based priest shares news of the incident on Twitter. Footage shows clashes between local churchgoers and riot police. The church is about the size of a soccer field and reportedly cost millions of dollars to build. Local authorities planned to tear down the church and other buildings on the site and replace them with commercial buildings. But church members refused to give their consent when authorities refused to give adequate compensation payments. Officials decided to go ahead with the demolition anyway. For context, in China, the Chinese Communist Party is the sole owner of all land, meaning people and businesses can only purchase the rights to use plots of land for a certain number of years, rather than buying the land itself. Police quickly scrubbed related videos of the incident from Chinese social media. Since 2014, officials in Zhejiang province have reportedly demolished crosses and religious symbols in more than 1,000 churches. That policy has since expanded to other regions. Priests have even faced jail time for their beliefs.
0: Pope Francis calling for continued communication with Beijing.
1: China is a world, and China, you have to walk patiently. I admire the Chinese people.
0: In an interview with the Pope on Tuesday, the Associated Press asked what comes next in the diplomatic talks between both countries. Here's his reply.
1: China is a complex world, but we are taking steps.
0: The pontiff explained the main thing is that that dialogue doesn't break. The Pope sidestepped a question about how the Vatican's relationship with Taiwan affects the dialogue. The Holy See is one of the few states to maintain formal ties with Taiwan instead of with China. Francis has faced criticism over a 2018 agreement with Beijing. That's over the appointment of bishops in China, given how that country's communist authorities have at times imprisoned priests. Cardinal Joseph Zen, the emeritus bishop of Hong Kong, is among the Pope's harshest critics. Hong Kong authorities arrested Zen last year. They took issue with his participation in a pro-democracy movement in the city. A deep seaport in Africa, Chinese-funded and partially owned by a Chinese company. Beijing calls it a game-changer project for West Africa. And it fits right in with the Chinese Communist regime's global seaport ambitions. Here's a closer look.
3: Nigeria opened a billion-dollar Chinese-built port in Lagos on Monday. The Leki deep-sea port is expected to ease congestion elsewhere and help Nigeria become an African hub for transshipment, the handling of cargoes in transit for other destinations. This project could create at least 200,000 jobs. That just means income." China's ambassador to Nigeria is Jianchun. China is among the largest bilateral lenders to Nigeria and has funded rail, roads and power stations. Nigeria's President Mohamedou Buhari has made building infrastructure a key pillar of his government's economic policy. He hopes it will help his ruling party win votes during next month's presidential election. The new port is 75% owned by the China Harbour Engineering Company and Singapore-based Tolaram Group, with the balance shared between the Lagos state government and the Nigerian Ports Authority.
0: The Nigerian Ports opening is giving way to rising security fears. Chinese firms are acquiring more control of shipping hubs around the world. Besides boosting their investment in foreign ports, Chinese companies now operate major container terminals in places like Belgium, Israel, Spain, Sri Lanka and the United Arab Emirates. And if you add in stakes held by Hong Kong firms, researchers say nearly a hundred foreign seaports involve Chinese leases or concessions. That means China can influence global supply chains and the flow of goods and could leverage that control in wartime. Plus, experts believe the network could help Beijing gather intelligence and sustain Navy operations abroad and make up for limitations China faces since it only runs a single foreign military base. Coming up, China is buying American land. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem recently signed an executive order blocking China and some other countries from purchasing farmland or property near military bases. Joshua Filler from NTD's Newsmakers program spoke with her about
4: why it matters. All this is about our kids. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we have been a generation that has lived the benefits of the United States of America. What kind of a country are we going to leave them? Are we going to leave them free? Are we going to leave them with the same opportunities that that we had the chance to enjoy? Um, So this kind of action and being willing to fight these kind of fights to protect our freedom is incredibly important. More on that after the break here on China in Focus.
0: Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The Chinese Communist Party is being accused of waging a different type of war in the United States. That is the buying up of American land. Joshua Phillip from NTD's Newsmakers spoke with South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem for more. She recently signed an executive order that prohibits China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran from purchasing farmland or property
3: near military bases. Hey, Governor Kristi Noem, thanks for being here.
4: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me.
3: Now, you just signed Executive Order 202302, which specifically prohibits the Chinese Communist Party mm-hmm. from purchasing agricultural land property near military bases in the U.S. I know there were some headlines on this, and we thought some was being done about it. Why do you think this, this executive order is necessary with this?
4: Well, so if you remember last year, we had an incident up in North Dakota, our neighbors to the north, where the Chinese Communist Party and foreign entities were buying up ag land. And they were buying ag land near military installations, uh, which they were saying for worse for a different purpose. But we recognize the real national security threat we have. And my executive order specifically bans telecommunications companies from doing business with South Dakota and our state government and also us having state contracts with foreign entities. It's specifically targeted towards countries that hate us. And listen, these are evil governments that want to undermine the United States of America and want to take away our freedoms and liberties. So my job as governor is to protect the people of South Dakota. This executive order builds the momentum for preventing people from doing business with the state of South Dakota that hate us. And then also we're bringing legislation that would ban uh, them from being able to buy our ag land and to generate the kind of threat that we saw from our neighbors to the north.
3: Well, you know, know, not everyone's going to call the Chinese Communist Party evil on the surface, although, frankly, look at their genocidal practices. I think it's an accurate term, I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of people won't say that outright. You've taken a very strong stance here. You're calling the Chinese Communist Party an evil regime. Why do you say that?
4: Well, we all know they're bad actors um, for generations. They've been building up their military. They've been stealing our intellectual property, manipulating their currency to undermine the United States of America. They're communists who have horrific... you know human rights activities going on or lack of human rights in their country and we've seen them buying up our food supply chains as well you know i've talked for 15 20 years that i've been working on food policy in the united states of america about how important it is that we continue to grow our own food in this country because then we control our own destiny when another country grows our food for us or controls it that's when they truly do control us and we've seen china buy up our fertilizer companies our chemical companies our processing systems now they're coming after our land. So they're not a bunch of dummies. They hate us. They want to destroy us. And every action that they take is to undermine our freedom. Uh, That's why I banned TikTok uh, in the state of South Dakota from anyone within state government from accessing the platform. Why I've taken this executive order to ban state contracts with them and telecommunications companies from participating with these evil governments and why we're bringing legislation to ban them from purchasing our egg land as well.
3: Well, and just to clarify, true, so you're, you're, of course, calling out China, and I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest name in the game. But you're also talking about other U.S. enemies or countries that regard the United States as an enemy. What are these other countries, and why are they kind of part of these bans as well?
4: Well, this executive order lists several countries. It includes Iran, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, you know, those that hate us. So it lists several specific countries that have long been our enemies, and this isn't new developments. We know that we've faced these threats for many, many years, uh, but it specifically calls them out and says we should not be doing business with them. Uh, We should not be participating with them and giving them the opportunity to collect data on our citizens and use it against us. So uh, we've done this um, in many other areas. and frankly, the reason that I have to take this action as governor is because our president isn't protecting us. Joe Biden is a wall. He's been a horrific president as far as national security issues. He's not protecting us from evil governments, and that's why governors like myself have to step up and take action such as this. Hmm.
3: Well, I can you explain that a bit more? Because I, I remember going all the way back to the Obama administration. There were studies coming out on what they called supply chain threats. And mm-hmm. they listed, for example, Huawei and uh, you know these other Chinese telecom companies. Uh, ZTE was among them, I believe, mm-hmm. as well. And they, they understood this was a threat, and they talked about it as being a threat. And we also saw a lot of talk about TikTok being a national security threat. But nothing was ever really done. And mm-hmm. So how is it they can acknowledge it's a threat and make a big deal about it, but never really enact anything serious? I mean, I, I guess in your eyes, because I assume you, you know, maybe you see things differently where you're at, but why is why is there this discrepancy between words and actions when it comes think, to these foreign yeah. threats?
4: I think we've seen this for many many years in politics. People say a lot of big things, they never take the action to do it. Uh, but now we've seen uh, that it's imperative that we actually back up these words with protecting our citizens. The last several years, we've seen governments come in and take away people's freedoms and liberties that I never dreamed was possible because the government told people they couldn't go to church anymore People gave up their freedom of religion. Because the government told people that they couldn't get together and meet in big groups, they gave up their freedom of assembly. And we thought we were just under threat from our own federal government, Um, but then we became more and more aware about how our own federal government was participating and allowing China and other evil governments to come in and utilize these platforms and these companies against us. And because it was easy and we weren't disciplined at the federal government level, we were allowing them to have access to information that. They could use to control us. So I've worked on food policy for probably 20 years now. I've seen them infiltrate um, our food supply chain. I've seen them control um, different supply chains, um, buy up processing plants. In fact, there's been programs in the federal government that allowed people to literally invest in processing systems for our food manufacturing here in the United States in exchange for citizenship. Um, and they've infiltrated our country now to where now they're purchasing land, and they may be purchasing this land not necessarily to grow food, but to get a presence close to some of our national security um, bases that, that they should not have any logistical um, latitude to be near. You know, We have Ellsworth Air Force Base here in South Dakota. It's going to be the first base in this nation to have the B-21 bombers, the next generation bombers. Mm -hmm. The most horrific thing that could happen is if China was able to come in and purchase land that would be near Ellsworth that would allow them to conduct surveillance on that new bomber that we're going to use to protect our country far into the future.
3: Thank you. Just 20 seconds left. Any any last message for Americans? Like, why should we care about this? What you know, what does food have to do with national security with China? Why should people care about this?
4: Well, this is about our kids. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we have been a generation that has lived to the benefits of the United States of America. What kind of a country are we going to leave them? Are we going to leave them free? Are we going to leave them with the same opportunities that that we had the chance to enjoy? Um, so this kind of action and being willing to fight these kind of fights to protect our freedom is incredibly important. Uh, that at this time we we be sacrificing enough to be willing to take the action that's necessary to preserve this greatest experiment in human history, uh, what the gift that our founders gave us, and that is the United States of America. Great.
3: Hey, Christy Noem, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.